I want to talk to you about a verse that has meant so much to me. My desire for you that you would succeed. My heart's desire for you as a pastor that you would end well. That you would face Jesus and not suffer loss. That you would face Jesus and he would say to you, well then, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of thy Lord. My, my, my tenure here of now 38, going on 39 years, and that means something because if you look in the book of Judges and other places in the Bible, almost nobody stayed more than 40 years. So I can safely say I'm coming to the end of my tenure. And I can say that my heart's desire for you is that you succeed. A lot of my preaching will center around that theme. I think that's because a lot of the Bible centers around that theme because I preach the Bible. And that's where my ideas come from. And I'll, I'm not going to read the text yet, but let me, let me preface it a little bit with a question. What kind of manager are you? You say, oh, I'm not a manager. Yes, you are. God said you are a manager. If you're a born-again Christian here this morning, you know Christ, your first Savior, you've been born from above, you know whether you are or not. I always say this to people, if you don't know, you're not. In other words, if I ask you a question, if you die today and you go to heaven and you say, I think so, you're not. Probably. I'm not the final judge. But as a rule of thumb, if you've been born again, you know you've been born again. Something as big as God coming and dwelling in you forever, I think would make a difference. Something as big as you getting the Holy Spirit of God in you, I think is going to make a difference. And I, th I think if you know that you have a driver's license or not, if I had a show of hands here, how many people here this morning know they have a driver's license? If you don't know you have a driver's license and you do, you should stop driving. In other words, there's a certain, you know you're alive, you know you're here, you know where you're at. Well, you should know whether you're born again or not. Man, I'd nail that thing down. If I had a question about that, I'd come see the preacher, see somebody that knew. I'd say, preacher, I've got doubts about my salvation. I want to know. I would nail that thing down. Because if you're born again, you've been given a position of management. A position of responsibility. Yeah. Your final judgment as a Christian will involve the criteria of the verse we're going to speak about in a minute. Every Christian is going to have his life evaluated and judged by Jesus Christ. You may not, may or may not know that. Most of you will know that. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says it this way, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the born-again Christians in context. That everyone, of, everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that done, whether it be good or bad. I would like to tell you as a born-again Christian, I've never done anything bad, but I have. So I've got good and bad. And you do too. If you would, just quickly thumb over into your Bible. If you have an electronic Bible, it's much easier to get over there. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 to 17. Years ago, when they first came out with electronic Bibles and on their phones, I had people complain to me about some of the folks saying, hey, you know that guy's playing video games the whole time you're preaching. And it was uh, Fransky. That's who it was. Fransky was set right there, and he, would, he had his uh, phone. He, and he, had, he was one of these real tech, tech, you know, technical smart, you know. So he had a 
one of the early Bible programs and it went on his phone. He'd sit there and he'd be looking my verses up. Also, he'd be making notes. You know, at least that's what he said. But anyway, um, and the people around him would, would sometimes tell me, and say, you know, he's playing video games the whole time here preaching. You need to talk to him about that. I say, so I went to him. I said, uh, brother, I said, are you using your phone? Are you using your Bible? Because, you know, I, wanna, I don't want to assume the worst. I want to assume the best. He said, no, I've got my Bible. He showed it to me. I said, good. I just want to make sure you weren't listening to the Super Bowl or something. You know, I mean, if you look in verse 12, it says, "For Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, and then, it, then put a division there, wood, hay, and stubble. So there's two, two things, gold, silver, precious stones. And even in this life, we understand that those things really can lay in the ocean for 350 years and they still come out. But if you take wood, hay, and stubble and lay it in the ocean for uh, 10 years, it, it, there's nothing left. And so we know the difference is permanence versus temporalness. Uh, you know, permanence versus something that's just temporal. That's the judgment there. Every man's work should be made manifest. That means declared, shown. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. What kind of fire? The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Some sort of a judgment fire. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive, and underline that, shall receive a reward. If any man's work be burned, underline this, he shall suffer loss. But himself, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. That gives me the authority to say that everybody that stands before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ is a born-again Christian. Because even though some of those people that stand before Jesus that day are going to lose everything of value, except for their souls, they're going to lose everything in this. Every, I don't know if you get this. Many of you do. But this moment we are living is an opportunity. The days that go by us are not drudgery. They are opportunity days. And there'll be a day you won't be able to do what you do now. You get to do now. Whew. So there's going to be a judgment. The things which are permanent versus the things which are temporal. If in this life you've managed your, your, your spiritual life and you've put all your, put all your, your, your eggs in the, in the temporal basket, God's judgment is going to come and it's going <clears> to <throat> burn all those things up that had no real value for eternity and you're going to suffer loss. Now you can look the Greek up on that. You, you, most of you people with phones got concordances. You can hit the, hit the word and it'll define it for you out of Strong's concordance. It means to suffer. The suffering there is a serious type of suffering. Why? Because as you stand there, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be indelibly impressed upon you that this is for all eternity. It's like having a kid. I mean, you buy a house, if you don't like it, you get rid of it. You buy a car, you don't like it, you get rid of it. You buy a truck, you don't like it, you get rid of it. You, you buy land, you don't like it, you get rid of it. You have a kid? You don't like him? You live with it. The rest of your life. Oh, they don't stay at home that long. 
My dad had a philosophy of raising children. Make it so hard at home that they wanted to leave and get married. My dad said, 18, you're going to pay for your food, you're going to pay for your shelter, and your own clothes and anything you want. And I said, well, if I'm going to live alone, I'm going to live with a woman. I mean, if I'm going to live on my own, I'm going to live with a woman. I found one and got married, amen. And now I wasn't alone in 1970. Oh, a lot of them people from high school got out and got married, man. It was a few people that went to college and waited, but the rest of us smart folks got married. And all you young married people said, Brother Morris, you better say something. Brother Morris's wife, 15, 16 years old. God bless her soul. Morris has been married older than I am almost. But your, your works and my works are going to be judged. Now look at the verse following, saved us by fire. Look at that next verse, in context. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? I, I put a duh after that. For if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye, that's plural by the way, ye all, are. So he's saying, right after he talks about that judgment, right after he talks about the temporal versus the eternal, he says, by the way, you don't understand that the Holy Spirit is in you and that God, that's the God in you, that's the deity, by the deity of the Holy Spirit, a good verse for that. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in you, that means God dwells in you, that means they're equal, right? The Holy Spirit and God are equal. So, if you mess this thing up, you're messing with God's temple. Now, you know uh, well enough to know if you go into a temple and start destroying it, that's some serious trouble. It's sacrilege at the highest degree. This is pretty straightforward stuff, don't you think? Oh, you know, sometimes a backslidden Christian, he'll come to me and says, he'll say, preacher, it doesn't matter with me if I don't have rewards in heaven. And I say this, it will. It will. It may not. You sitting there, comfortable like, not in pain. Oh, you're good with it. Uh, but when you're standing there and a whole host of heavens around you, and you realize this is a, this is the real deal. The earth, the earth was here and it passed, and all of the dreams and everything in earth stayed back there. And now you're in standing before Jesus Christ, and your future is being determined by what you did back here. And you go, well, let me tell you, if you're here this morning, your blood's off my hands, because this old red-faced Baptist preacher's warning you this morning educating you this morning, helping you this morning not to lose out on eternity. You will care in front of the saints and of God and the angels and the, and the Father. Your work, your life management of what God has given you will be judged. The results will last for all eternity. They will affect you forever. You will care, deeply care. Well, you say maybe up to this point in the sermon, you say, where is that verse you talk about management? Where's that at? Well, thank you for asking. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. That's our text verse. As every man hath received the gift. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 
As every man hath received the gift, three parts, that's part one. Even so minister the same one to another, part two. And part three is as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What can we learn? Well, every Christian, part one at least, has been given some gifts. Every man hath received the gift. Uh, you have been given some gifts. The parable of the sower, Matthew chapter 13, talks about some uh, the seed fell on some ground and it produced 30-fold, some it produced 60-fold, and some it produced 100-fold. I preach a sermon about 100-fold Christians should not make 30-fold Christians feel bad. The Bible already said there's going to be some 30, some 60, some 100. But them 100-fold Christians want to get puffed up and say, oh, but they've been given more gifts. And so, brother, thank God for 30-fold Christians. Thank God for 60-fold Christians. Thank God for 100-fold Christians. But 100-fold Christians ought not, to be, ought not to be demeaning the 30-fold Christian. I like 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, where it says, I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase. And he goes on to say, So then neither is he that planteth anything. That's you and me, right? The sower. Neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So some of us are planting the seed of the word of God. Some of us are watering, nurturing the seed and helping it grow. Some are pulling weeds. You know, that's not in there. But some are pulling weeds. Some are, some are you know, keeping the soil good. But the bottom line is, it's God that causes it to grow. So who really gets the glory? God. Bible says there'll be no flesh glory in his presence. There'll be nobody in there beating their chest say, look at me. I appreciate Merrick. I'm going to use him as an example. He did a beautiful, by the way, beautiful song. Keep doing that. Make new ones. Keep it up. But if it wouldn't have been for God giving him the brain and the physical, able to connect and divide his mind in two different directions, he wouldn't be able to do that. How do I know? I can't. I've given it a good college try. I took five years of music training, almost for nothing. I mean, there's gifts. Some people say there's 49 gifts. Some people say 29 gifts, 27. You know, there's various numbers. They might go to the Bible, but the truth is there's lots of different gifts. I believe some people have one gift. Some people have two, three gifts. Some have four or five. Some have five and six. Some have maybe ten. God gives you gifts according to his will. But here's the deal. The more gifts you're given, the more responsible you're being held. Yeah. See, Mary can play the piano, but that also makes you responsible to play the piano. God never asked. Nobody ever asked me to play the piano. Why don't you ask me? You want me to go over there and give you a little shot? I can give you a Louie Louie. How many know what I just said? What do you mean by that? You are old. That's just a tweak you. I can play chopsticks. Nobody asked me to play piano. I don't have responsibility to that. I'm not going to get judged on how I play piano. You get the gift to play piano or organ, you're going to get judged on that. Brother, don't hide your light under a bush is all I can say, and you're not. Don't do it. Don't let the world draw you away from God's giving it to God. Give it to God. 
Don't let the world draw you and waste it because they want you to waste it. But the heart of the matter is that uh, we're given gifts. The second point of that is you're given gifts not for you. You're given gifts for other folks. We're given gifts primarily to help others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. I've quoted it thousands of times. It's to help the local church. It's to help the people of God. If you can do something good, God's given that. Use it for his glory and honor, but it's ultimately for his kingdom. What a difference this truth will make. When you get that truth, all of a sudden, in a church, it's easy to find Sunday school teachers. A, a group of people that get this truth, it's easy to find nursery workers. A, people, a group of people that get this truth, it's easy to find door-to-door -door folks. A, a group of people that get this truth, it's easy to find uh, bus workers and ministry workers. It, people that get this, it's easy to find nursing home folks that want to do that. If people that understand this today, it's easy to find people that are willing to paint or do plumbing or electrical work or maintenance or yard work or whatever. They're just simply willing to use it. They understand God's given them some gifts and they're willing to use it because they know someday they're going to stand before him and they're going to be judged of the things done in their body, whether they be good or bad. And I don't know anybody in their right mind doesn't want to stand before Jesus and have some things that are put on the pile that will withstand the fire of God. Boy, what a day that will be when Jesus we shall see. And you do it for God's glory and his kingdom and for other people. This is the key to volunteerism. No begging. You know, you know, when you get to do it for God. No begging. Oh, would you please, pretty please, sugar on top? No, no. You get to do them for God. Oh, preacher, can I do that? Oh, preach, you know, amen. Woo! We get to do it. Why? We're doing it for the Lord Christ. I, I, think, I think of singing, or I often say sanging. Sangers. I, I mean, it's interesting. You get, a, you get a handful of people in a church anywhere you go almost, and, and they, they, they'll sing special after special after special after special. People say, well, why, does, why do the same you know, half a dozen people sing? And I say, because the other 25 that should be singing are ashamed of their gift. Ooh, that's good preaching. You can't tell me that you only got a half a dozen or a little bit more people that can sing at Gospel Baptist. We got more. But they're hiding their light under a bushel. Let me tell you, give an excuse you want to give. You're going to face that. And you're going to be wailing for not using your gift. Now look, if you don't have the gift and you get up here and try to use it, we'll tell you. Brother Tom, he gets up here and tries to sing a special. I'll say, Tom, you're a great veterinarian. I'll sing it up here, brother. You don't have to worry about that. We'll let you know. Maybe, you know, plumber, maybe electrician, perhaps singer. No. But some of you got a song in your heart. And if you don't have a song, you sure ought to have a song. I mean, what's funny is people are, are content as Christians to be on the sideline cheering. 
Go team. Go team. Go team. They're spectating. I don't, we as born-again believers that are in the game don't need more cheering, don't need more spectating. We need help. We need help to go out and to, and to, and to finish the, the great commission to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature and to edify those who get saved and to help missionaries get out there on the fields and to be able to just, uh, just help people in every direction. By the grace of God, we need help. There's no church out there that doesn't need help. Peter is exhorting us here in this verse in 1 Peter 4.10. And I think we need to remember, kindly remember, that we're debtors. We're debtors. Every one of us has been born again. We owe God. Amen. Now, we're not going to pay him back for salvation. Don't get me wrong. But you still owe him. I'm forever grateful at what Jesus has done for me. And what motivates me to serve Jesus is not duty. It's gratitude. But nothing wrong with duty. Sometimes when I, when I lose my grip on gratitude, duty picks up for me and says, well, you're supposed to do that. There's nothing wrong with you're supposed to do that. If it's the right thing to do, do it by the grace of God. Sometimes you get a little weak, right? Your gratitude gets a little weak. You can't see the forest for the trees. Well, then duty will help you the rest of the way. Boy, remember he has sent you to reach the world in his name in our generation. Remember. That he has given us enough equipment to do it. He's given us enough talent to do it and time to do it. Remember why you got your gifts. Remember you have a job for God. And there will be an evaluation at the end of the whole thing. Doesn't God's grace deserve your all? And then let's look at the third part. And every man that hath received the gift, that's the first part. Even so minister the same one to another. That's the second part. And then I say, and, and God saved the best for last. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The word steward is the word manager. That's right. The word steward is the word manager. It means we're to manage. We're the stewards of the great. What are we stewards of? The grace of God. And the man, the word manifold means many faceted. I, most of you girls got diamonds on. Those are cut. By the way, a diamond's an ugly stone. If you ask me, a diamond's an ugly stone. And all the men said, you guys are slow. A diamond is really ugly until you cut it. Cut by a master in, I think, 52. Two facets, 51 facets, I can't remember. And you cut it in some, just, I, that's how smart I am. I don't even know how many facets you cut it in, but you cut it in a certain facet. You know, you can take a big old diamond, and if you miscut it, it takes the value to nothing. But if you cut it just right, and they got these round ones, they got these oblong shaped ones, they got yellow ones, they got blue ones. <laughs> they got yellow, did I say that already? They got white ones. They got the kind my wife has with a bunch of flaws in it. That's because I paid 200 bucks for it. My wife's ring, when she dies, nobody's going to want to steal that ring. They're going to leave money in the casket. That poor soul, look at that little thing. But it's not the ring, it's the love behind the ring that counts. Amen. 
I knew a woman one time, a guy gave her an engagement ring. She took it down, had it appraised. Oh, shame, shame, shame on you. Took it down, had it appraised. Wanted to see if it was a Zircon or not. Look, if you're doubting that guy's honesty that much, whatever you do, don't take the ring. We're supposed to be good stewards. Let me ask you some questions. Are all your sins been forgiven? Washed white as snow? Let me ask you a question. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Are you going to spend eternity in a, in a new body free of weaknesses and diseases? Are you going to be able to run and not be weary to walk and faint not? Are you? Are you never going to have to worry about calories again? You're going to be able to eat all the angel food cake you want with cream, real cream, not homogenized, not pasteurized, skimmed off the top, chilled, and put in a bowl. You're going to eat real butter that was beat out of the, I don't know if you're going to have any of that, but it just sounds right. Has God shown you mercy? Mercy drops round me are falling, but for the showers we plead. You know, I've, I'm going to admit something. Let me confess something. Everybody listens now. I'm going to confess something. Do you know I've done wrong things, ask God to forgive me, and then did them again. You ever done that? I've done wrong things, and I knew we were wrong. Holy Spirit, I said, God, have mercy on me, forgive me. And then, you know, sometime down the road, did them again. And guess what? Ask forgiveness, got right, and down the road, did them again. 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 Had a Yankee cut me off, did it again. I can't believe God puts up with me. I know one thing, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have that much patience. I know my son, when I raised him, and you've had any kids this way, they do, they do wrong, they, oh, daddy, please forgive me, I'll never do it, they do it again. They come to me and say, oh, Daddy, please forgive me. I say, quit asking forgiveness. Just quit doing it. They do it again. How many have ever gotten mad and angry and been stupid? Don't, don't say amen. And you did it again. And you did it again. And you did it again. God puts up with us. In His kindness and mercy towards us, His grace is extended to us. And extended to us. And extended to us. You tell me the least you can do is live for Him. The least thing you can do is do the right thing. Live for Him. Give your life for Him. Remember, you've been bequeathed the Holy Spirit of God. You are the temple of God. Like it, don't like it, deny it, whatever. And someday you're going to stand before the judge of all the earth, Jesus Christ, and he is going to judge the things you did in your body as a manager. How did you manage it? Will it be good or bad? And if 
You have been selfish. And you stand there and you're, the fire of God's judgment comes on those things and nothing's left but your soul's salvation. The Bible says you're going to anguishly suffer loss. Don't do it. How much? What's God asking of you this morning? Here's, here's what he's asking of you. Let me tell you some straight stuff, and I'll be done. Number one, he's asking you to embarrass yourself for him. I remember when God called me to preach. I said, look, I'll be anything you want me to be, but this is serious. I'm serious as hard to I'll be anything you want me to be, but just not a preacher. The one thing I resisted God on, I said, just not, look, look, I'll do, I'll do, any, I, I'll go anywhere, I'll be any, but not a preacher. I'm shy, withdrawn to myself. I was a man of few words. No matter what Thomas Sweat says. I was a man of few words, not as few as Barrows. I was a man of few words, and I was an introvert. I say was, 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 was. All you say, man, you ain't that now, preacher. That's right. Because you're looking at somebody who was willing to embarrass himself for Jesus, and I have. I'm willing to expose my weaknesses for Jesus. I'm willing to expose myself, my weaknesses for Jesus. I'm willing to risk myself for Jesus. I'm willing to receive criticism, some deserved, some not deserved, for Jesus. I'm willing to suffer the butterflies and all that is involved with all of this for Jesus' sake. Why? Because I'm a manager of the gifts He's given me. Do you know you got some gifts you don't even know you have? That was my case. I had gifts I didn't even know I had. In fact, I think God developed those gifts as I was willing to step out and embarrass myself and risk myself. He began to develop some gifts that I didn't know I had. And hopefully, by the grace of God, help some other folks. Is this not 1 Peter 4.10, what I'm saying right now? I don't know. Can, uh, 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 are you a good singer, Charlie? You're not a good You like to sing, though, don't you? You ought to come up and do a solo sometime. You and Tom do a duet. We'll tell you. That was a great, but don't do it again. Risk yourself for Jesus. Oh, preacher, I'd be embarrassed. Embarrass yourself for God. He embarrassed himself for you. He laid naked in a public street hanging on a cross when men didn't go around naked like they do today and, and was willing to embarrass himself to the nth degree for you. Surely you can risk yourself. Oh, preacher, if I get up here saying my voice may crack, let it crack. Let it hit a sour note once in a while. We love them. We love them here at the gospel. What we're looking for is legitimacy here at the gospel. We're looking for reality here at the gospel. We're looking for your heart here at the gospel because that's what God's looking for. Now maybe you end up having a voice like a princess 
uh, and, and wonderful. We're, we'll live with that. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords to pay. And to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. Oh, my brother and sister in Christ, this is a day of opportunity. Don't blow it. Father, help us to see this. May your blessed Holy Spirit take those things which have been said and use them for thy honor glory. Magnify your Son through everything. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.